Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Real Life Real Crime is a true crime podcast brought to you by Woody Overton and executive producer Toby Template. Yeah, the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. to an attorney prior to and during any question. You can't afford one to court appoint one for you. You understand your rights? Your crime spree was over, son. Yeah, you thought you had it licked. But Detective Overton made you sugar turn to shit. <laughs> This episode of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast may contain descriptions of acts of violence or that are of a sexual nature. It should be for people that are 18 years or older. Heed my warning, people. I do not get the facts of these cases off the internet or from some television show. The facts we're retelling you were presented to us by the victims of the crimes are the perpetrators who committed the crimes against the victims. My description of the crime scenes are what I saw with my own two eyes. If you're going to get offended, please turn this podcast off now. Thank you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. As always, I'm your host, Woody Overton. Stay tuned at the end of today's show for some announcements on Courtney Coco and, and different things, but let's get with it. Today, I'm going to be telling you Monsters Part 5, and y'all, I don't know how long the series is going to go. I know it's going to go longer than Part 5, 
you know, I'm unscripted and raw and I don't use any notes. I'm just telling you what I see in my head from memory. But if you haven't listened to the first four parts of the series, then go back and listen to it. Otherwise, you're doing yourself a, an injustice, if you will. So when I left you last, Calvin Bowden and I had the suspect under arrest, and we had met him at, at the, I think it was Allen Parish Jail, and he was a dick, pure evil, just, I mean, smiling at us, smirking, he wouldn't even acknowledge the Miranda rights, obviously wasn't going to talk to us. But he, he, I just got the feeling from the the guy that he thought he was just so much smarter than us, obviously. He thought we were some podunk detectives and, you know, didn't have anything. But we had processed him in a jail, got him in Calvin's unmarked vehicle for the long ride back to Livingston Parish. And we talked a little bit, Calvin and I, about death row and the only thing inmates hate worse than somebody who hurts kids is somebody who hurts old defenseless victims. And this wasn't just hurt. This was an execution. But we're driving. He's in the back seat. He's he's handcuffed and shackled. And Calvin and I are, you know, kind of playing off each other, just just talking in general. And I start to talk about the case. Now, I'm not questioning him, right? I'm not saying anything directly to him. As far as I'm concerned, he is just a passenger in the, in, in the back of the vehicle. I'm talking to my partner about the case. And I said, Calvin, I said, you know, there's no such thing as a perfect crime. He said, yep, yep, you got that right. I said, in, in this case, boy, boy, boy. Evidence is everything. Calvin said, that's right, baby. And we got the evidence. We got what we need. I said, you're right. And I said, and I think it's even better that we don't question him or attempt to question him. I mean, he wouldn't acknowledge his Miranda rights or anything else. Now, y'all, it's dark in the vehicle. I can't see him. I said, I, I think it's even better because we'll let the evidence speak in this case. Calvin said, damn straight. And then we got tons of it. I said, yeah, man. I said, you know, the scene was horrible. The blood spatter all over the roof and the walls and the fact that she was beaten and then ultimately executed. You know, And he was like, yeah, man, yeah. And I said, you know, wait until a jury gets this. And, and they hear all of the brutality and, you know, when the crime scene text got there and said, holy shit, the, they had never seen anything like this. And, and the count was like, yep. And, and I said, what about the pathologist? And the, and the, the guy that did the autopsy, and he said, yeah, man, that guy's done so many thousands of cases. And he was just totally shocked about it. And I said, you know, Calvin, the great thing about it is from prosecution standpoint, is when they show all of the photographs to the jury and the video of this crime scene and the victim face down in the blood spatter and all, the, there, there's not going to be a person on that jury. Uh, so shit, it might be a lynching, right? It 
for whoever murdered her. I said, now, the, the great thing is not the blood spatter or the violence of the crime to get the conviction. It, it, the great thing is not the violence of the crime itself. The great thing is the evidence. And Cal was like, yeah, baby, that's right. I said, you know, the big, fat drops of blood, Calvin. He said, yep. And he said, that's going to, the DNA from those is going to prove one million percent that whoever beat her cut their hands on the broken glass and they went and touched numerous things. I said, yeah, man, how about the the bag of ice in the sink with the fat blood drops? And Calvin said, yep. I said, how about the blood on the gun cabinet? Obviously, the victim didn't do it. He said, yep. And I said, but the, and the blood drops going to the back door that obviously didn't come from the victim. And Calvin said, yeah, man, that's right. These That was obviously like, from an open cut that was dripping. It wasn't spurting out. And whoever did this to her, that DNA is going to prove from those blood drops beyond a shadow of a doubt that they're guilty. And, and I said, you know what? We don't need a confession in this case. This case is done, and it's going to be so bad. And what, from the back seat, now, this is over a period of time, y'all. I'm kind of paraphrasing. I mean, we were really working it and, and talking about things. Never, never said him directly, right? We kept talking about evidence, evidence, evidence. Not the evidence on the body, but the, the fat blood drops that obviously came from the person or the people who injured themselves when they were beating her and then ultimately executed her. And didn't say anything about him being on the run or anything like that, but he, at some point, he starts, he said, wait, 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 I, I want to talk about that. I, I want to talk about that. Now, what I think happened was, in his mind's eye, maybe he'd been lying to himself about that he committed this perfect-ass crime, and now... He realizes, holy shit, there is going to be blood drops, and it's or it's possible that they're not lying about the blood drops, and it's going to come back to me, and maybe somebody else, right? So he's, he says, "I want to talk about that. I want, I want, I want to make a statement." I said, "You can go fuck yourself. We're not taking your statement." I said, "You wouldn't even acknowledge your Miranda rights, and for, I should arrest you for." thieving on my conversation with my partner. I said, you ain't got nothing to do with this. I said, sit back there and shut the fuck up or I'll put a muzzle on your ass and I don't want to hear another word out of you. He said, no, no, I changed my mind. I want to talk. I want, I, want, I want to tell you what happened. I said, I don't give a fuck. I said, we don't need you. You're fucked. And, and you know, you did this. Your DNA is going to be in there, and there's no explaining it. You are fucked. So we don't need you. Shut the fuck up. And about this time, we've been driving like two hours. We got stopped. I mean, it's like 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning. We were coming through, God, what's this town? My, my 
brother-in-law's brother is the chief there. Anyway, we were, we were coming down old Highway 190, not the interstate. That was the shortest route back to Baton Rouge. And we got stopped in this town. The, the lights came on. Of course, we were speeding in in an unmarked. And they, they pulled us over. We get out. Or Calvin got out. And he was like, man, I want to talk. I want to talk. I said, I told you to shut the fuck up. And I said, if I have to make you shut up, I will. And I actually got out without thinking. And because I, I knew the chief of police is my brother-in-law's brother. And I got out and, and I went back and Calvin was talking to the guy and, and he was telling him what we had. We were coming back with a murder suspect, et cetera. And, and I said, hey, uh, your chief is, is my brother-in-law's brother. And then, then I'm thinking, holy fuck, man. <laughs> I left this fucking murderer in the car. I mean, shit, what if he, he climbed over the front and, and tried to haul ass? I, I mean, I don't, I don't know what the hell I was thinking, to be honest with you. I ran back up to the car, and but he was just sitting there, his big fat blob self in the back seat. And, you know, that could have been a real shit show. But Calvin comes and we get back in the car, and of course we didn't get a ticket. And we're driving, and and he's adamant he wants to talk. And and I said, dude, I'm telling you, I'm not going to tell you again. I told you, don't talk to us. You would not acknowledge Miranda. You did not want to answer questions. Shut the fuck up. We're going to the jail. And and I said it like with I'm going to beat your ass voice, right? And then so he shut up. Then we weren't 40 minutes away from the jail by this time, but we didn't go to the jail. And and when we got close, I got off the exit, to, and the jail is, the jail street is right off the exit in Livingston, and I told Calvin, so let's go to the office and get some paperwork. And, of course, we were going to talk to the guy, right? I mean, I just was being hard on him. And so we, we take him to the detective's office. We take him upstairs and sit him down. And he's just got this look on his face. Not a look of defeat, but he, I I think it was a look of, of I still have a chance here, you know. And he had, he was like, he wanted to talk, you know. And, and he, 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 we didn't have that, that smirk on his face anymore so we sat him down and i said well, we got to do your booking sheet and so you know i'm again i'm advise you your miranda rights on our form here i said i don't give a fuck if you don't want to acknowledge it i said but you're going to sign or if you don't want to sign that i read you your miranda rights i'm gonna put that you didn't sign it. We're recording y'all. You didn't sign it. We refused. And the same thing was sent to question part. So I read the Miranda rights. And I said, you know, I said, do you understand your rights? He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand my rights. I want to sign it. I want to sign it. So I let him sign it. I'm looking at Calvin. Calvin's looking at me. And uh, um, kind of a little smile, right? We're about to get some juice. And then I read the consent to question part. And y'all, the consent to question says, I, you know, Something like, I had my Miranda rights read to me. I understand my Miranda rights. I do not want a lawyer at this time. I consent to answer questions. No promises or threats have been made uh, to me. I'm, I'm freely and voluntarily answering questions at this time. I, I can 
I know I have the right to stop answering or questions at any time. Something like that, right? I'm paraphrasing it. So we get through that part. And I look at him and say, hey, yeah, I want to sign it. I want to sign it. I want, I, want, I want to answer. And I said, you know what? We shouldn't let you. I said, we don't need you to answer questions. He said, but no, no, no. I, I, I want to I tell you what happened. I'm going to tell you what happened. And inside I'm going, yes, yes, motherfucker. And I was just wanted, at this point, I didn't give a shit what he said. We did have the evidence, and evidence is everything. We could have done his ass, but it always would have been that doubt, or a defense attorney could have said, you know, whatever. He, he bled in the house on an earlier date or whatever. I mean, there's on a case like this, any type of confession is better than no confession, although the evidence would have won the day. So he signs the consent to question part, and I witnessed it, and Calvin witnesses it. And so I sat back, and I said, you say you want to talk. And he said, yeah, I do. Now, again, I'm reading him. I'm looking at him. He just absolute narcissistic and, and, and thinks he's the smartest person in the room. And he's had that hour and something or two hours since it whatever light bulb went off in his head that he thinks, well, I, I can get out of this. I'm smarter than him, right? So I said, well, what do you got to say for yourself? And he said, well, it isn't, it, it, you know, it isn't my fault. I said, what do you mean it isn't your fault? He said, he, he said, well, the you know, it's just not my fault that, uh, that she's dead. I said, well, fuck, whose fault is it? I said, let's go back to that day. You went to work. And you told him you had a sick stomach and what happened from there when you left work. He said, well, I had access to some money, a couple thousand dollars. And he said, I, I, I really wasn't sick. He said, I want to get high. And he said, I've had a, a cocaine problem for years and years and years. And he said, I, I, I'm not a bad man. He said, but I have a cocaine problem. I said, and? He said, oh, I went and bought uh, a bunch of Coke. And, and I said, cocaine? He said, yeah. And I said, powdered cocaine? He said, yeah. And I said, what'd you do? He said, well, I went to my residence, and I went in the living room, and I started shooting up cocaine. I said, all right. I said, you mean Pushing it, banging it. He said, yeah, and inserting it in, in a needle, liquefying it and putting it in a needle and, and, and shooting it in my arm. I said, okay, and what happened? At this point, y'all, you want to let him talk, and, and we know what we know, right? And, and I want him to say what he has to say to put himself there and, and whatever fantasy he's going to give us. Then I can come back and ask questions, or Calvin and I can come back and ask questions that, you know, that have based off the evidence that we know. And he said, well, I was pushing dope. I was pushing the cocaine, and I was getting real high. And he said, and my mother-in-law walked in on me, and she saw me, and and she started freaking out. She was screaming my name. She said, I can't believe you're doing I can't believe you're doing drugs again. I'm, I'm calling your wife. I'm, I'm calling my daughter. And and he said she turned around to go back down the hall. And he said, I was so high that I just lost it. 
He said, but he said, I was so high that I didn't know what I was doing. I said, okay. I mean, obviously I know he's full of shit. I said, and I had a million questions I wanted to ask. And but I said, so what happened? He said, she turned to go down the hallway. And he said, I followed her. And he said, I was begging her, please don't call. Please don't tell on me. And she said, I'm calling, I'm calling. And he said, she went into the bedroom and was going for the phone. And he said, um, and I blacked out. I said, what do you mean you blacked out? And he said, I blacked out. And, it, and he said, I said, okay, what happened then? He said, well, I went back in the living room. I was shooting cocaine again. And, and he said, and, and then later on I left. All right. Victory for us, right? First of all, he puts himself at the scene. Not a total victory yet, but we're just getting started. We're about to get really get into the juice, right? And, but he hasn't explained dick and, and and I know what was weighing on his mind is the fat drops of blood. And, and he's in self-preservation, and we all have it. You know, when you're a kid and you ask your mom, can you have a cookie before dinner? And she says no. And so you're sneaking in and you're getting a cookie out of the cookie jar, and that jar falls and breaks at your feet, and you're standing in cookies and glass, and you got a cookie in your hand, and your mom comes in and says, you do that? And you're like, uh-uh, wasn't me, right? He's in that. He's full-blown self-preservation mode. Also, I think he's trying to read us and try to figure out, you know, how to explain it. And in his mind, what he said thus far is he was so high that he was mentally incapable of being responsible for the murder of the victim. So I told him, I said, listen, you were there, and— you followed her down the hallway. I said, obviously, she didn't make the phone call to your wife. I said, so I'm going to tell you what happened. I said, Calvin, give me the file. And he, and he gave me. It's springtime, boys. The grass is green, the birds are chirping, and the kids will be out of school soon. That makes it the perfect time to plan a family vacation. And we know from the stories we cover that this is not exactly the time to take the family to the Caribbean. You don't want to end up in the middle of some cartel drug shootout. So this year, it's time to take an international journey. And of course, a big international trip is just one reason to learn a new language with Rosetta Stone. You might have a different one. Maybe you want to connect with family or friends living overseas. Maybe you want to acquire a new skill for work or better understand a certain culture. Rosetta Stone has helped me have fun with my mother and at least have partial conversations in Italian after only a few lessons. Rosetta Stone is the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users in 25 languages offered. Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, and many more. Rosetta Stone immerses you in many ways. No English translation, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language. Intuitive process, you pick up a language naturally. Designed for long-term retention. Speech recognition, the true accent feature is like having a personal trainer for your accent. Rosetta Stone 
is convenient and an amazing value. That's right, Woody. A lifetime membership has all 25 languages for any and all trips and language needs. That's lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Real Life Real Crime and Daily Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today. Sayonara. Shout out to Astro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. My allergies are throwing my whole morning off. Do I sound different to you? You love it. You sound like, it's that time of year, though, bro. I sound different to me. I feel like I'm in a submarine. Yeah, well, have you tried AstroPro? It's faster, bro. Oh. Right? AstroPro is the first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It is the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. AstroPro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription strength, indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Hey, I use this, and you should too, Jim. Last weekend, I planted my garden, and it's that time of the year, and my allergies really kicked up with it, right? I use Astapro every time my nasal allergies flare up, and I'm always amazed at how fast I'm back in the game, down on those rows, playing my stuff. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to AstaproAllergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O Allergy.com. It's faster, bro. Uses directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Astapro and go. The file and I started laying out the pictures of the victim's body in the hallway and all the blood and the blood spatter on the walls and the broken glass and the shell casings in the blood, the spent one and, and the 22 shorts that weren't fired. And, you know, he's looking at it and he's looking at it and, it, and he's got these big, thick glasses on and he's looking at it and he pushes his glasses back up on the nose and, yeah, you know, most people when you when you shock value them with the crime scene photos, they show some remorse, right, or shock, or or maybe you know a lot of them do things in the heat of the moment that when you show them the real brutality of it, that they'll they'll start crying, they'll you know they'll be like uh. Yeah, I'm so sorry. Oh my God, I can't believe I did this. Da 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 da. da. Nothing. But you could, what you could see on his face was his brain's running a, a million miles a second. He's trying to figure out how he's going to explain this. So I told him, I said, "Listen, I've been doing this a long time, and you can shoot up all the cocaine in the world. It's not going to make you black out." I said, so I believe that you are trying to tell the truth. I said, and I want to believe that you're a good guy. I said, you're a Christian man, and your family talks about how you testify uh, 
in church. You tell your testimony about how your 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 cocaine addiction, how you overcame it years ago. I said, look, you, you got a grown son. I said, you've got stepdaughters. You've been married to your wife for some years now. I said, you got a good job. I, I said, I understand the addiction part. I said, but you cannot take that lame-ass story in to a jury and say, oh, I just blacked out and I left and I don't know what happened. I said, you know, and you went on the run, dude. I said, so obviously you knew what happened. I said, so you got to help me help you. I said, if you're not a monster, then you've got to tell everything. You know, I, you just got to do it. You know, as, as I said, you're the only one that can help you. I, I, cert I Certainly you are trying to help yourself. I said, but you haven't done it yet. I said that you've got to tell the whole truth. I said, so back to it. You left work. You go buy a bunch of Coke. I said, was anybody else with you? No, 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 uh-uh, no way. Nobody was with me. Absolutely not. Big red flag for me. Big red flag for Calvin. I know you, I knew he was lying right then. And But it impressed him on it. I want more details. I said, all your years of doing cocaine. I said, have you ever blacked out before? And he said, no. I said, then you can tell me the truth about what happened. I said, so you're in the living room by yourself. Yeah, 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 definitely by myself. I didn't have anybody with me. Uh-uh. There was nobody there. It was just me. Again, I know he's fucking lying now. And I said, well, then she comes in. She catches you. I believe that. I said, what can you tell me about her physical health? He said, what do you mean? I said, well, if you're in the living room shooting up coke, banging dope, how do you not hear her coming down the hallway on a walker? And he got quiet and he, and he thought for a second and he said, he said, oh, fuck, I don't know how I didn't hear, to be honest with you. He said, I, I don't know. I said, I mean, I said, don't walkers make noise, especially on that linoleum floor? He said, yeah, you're right about that. He said, I got no explanation for that. He said, the first thing I knew is, is I looked up and she was there and she starts screaming at me and how she's going to tell my wife. And he said, you know, and I, I did. He said, I followed her down the hallway and I begged her not to. And she was going into the bedroom, I said, what happened at that moment? This is where you tell me that you blacked out. I said, the phone was ripped from the wall. I said, you saw the photographs, her walkers on the floor in between the bed and the doorway. She's laying half in and out of the doorway and she's beat to fuck. And he said, yeah, you're right. He said, when she entered into the bedroom, um, she was trying to get the phone. I pushed around her. I ripped it out of the wall, knocked her walker to the floor, and he said she was kind of holding on to the doorway. And he said I, she was just screaming and she wouldn't shut up and that she was going to call my wife. And he said I grabbed something and I started beating her up with it. He said, I said, tell me about that. I said, what did you grab? He said, I don't remember. It was something glass. And, and I started beating her with it. 
I said, what happened? He says, she went down to the ground. And I said, what happened? He said, whatever I was beating her with broke. And he said, but he said, I thought I killed her. And I thought she was dead. And, and he said she was face down. And there was blood everywhere, just like the picture showed. And there was blood coming out of her head nonstop. It was pulling down, you know, down the hallway. And he said, I said, fuck it. And he said, I went back and to the living room and I started doing more cocaine. He said, I, I pushed more dope. He said, I kept getting high. I said, all right. I said, what happened then? Y'all, he said, and at this point, I, I think he was just, he was being honest without bringing anybody else into it. But he, I mean, he just kind of, the evil came out. I mean, he was seeing it in his mind's eye. He said, I was, I was doing dope and I, I already thought she was dead. And he said it was been a little bit of time had gone by and he said, I heard this noise. I said, what noise? He said, like a gurgling noise. And I got quiet. I didn't say anything. I said, you know, I'm looking at him. He said, and he said, I didn't know what it was. He said, so I got up from the chair. Remember, I told you the couch was there and the um, coffee table, but that chair was sitting facing away from the victim's body on that wall. He said, I got out of the chair and I looked down the hallway and it was a big, huge pool of blood all the way down the hallway. And he said, and I heard the noise again. And he said, and I looked and she was face down and the noise was her gurgling face down in the blood. He said, I saw bubbles come. He said, I walked down and uh, to, to the noise. And he said, I saw bubbles coming from around her mouth in the blood. And I'm like, fuck. And that's what I'm thinking, right? And I know, I mean, you could have heard a pin drop in the room. And he, he said, she was gurgling. He said, I really couldn't believe she was still alive. And he said, so I walked down the hallway to the gun cabinet. He said, and I got a 22 rifle and I got some bullets and I loaded it. And I walked back down the hallway through the blood. I stood over her body in the doorway. I put the gun to the back of her head and I pulled the trigger and it went click. And he said, I was like, what the fuck? He said, so I ejected the shell and shoved another one in. And I put the gun back to her head again and I squeezed the trigger and it went click. And he, was like, he said, I was like, what the fuck? And he said, and I took the, I ejected that bullet out. And he said, that's when I realized I had the wrong size bullets. I had 22 shorts and I needed 22 longs for the rifle. He said, so then I walked back through the blood, down the hallway to the gun cabinet, dug in the bottom of the gun cabinet. And I got 
some 22 long bullets, and I reloaded the rifle and walked back down the hall, stood over her body, put the rifle to the back of her head, and I squeezed the trigger, and bam! He said, and her body jumped. And then she was still, and I didn't hear any more gurgling. He said, and I went back down the hallway and put the gun against the gun cabinet and went back to the table and started shooting up more dope. Now, I had a lot of questions, but he was just matter-of-fact fucking evil. Think about that, y'all. You hear a noise after you think you've beaten her to death. You hear a noise, so you go down there through the blood, and you see her face down, and she's gurgling face down in the blood, bubbles coming out from the side of her mouth in the blood. So what do you do? Do you call 911? Do you have any remorse? No. You said, fuck it. I'm going to go get a gun and execute her. So you walk through the blood. You get the rifle. You get the bullets. You load it. You go down there. You put the gun to her head. Pull the trigger. Click. You eject that shell, thinking it's a misfire. Put the gun to the back of her head again. Now she's laying there, gargling, blowing bubbles in the blood, face down. Click. You eject that shell, and you realize you got the wrong bullets. So you walk back through the blood, get the right bullet or bullets, load the gun, and you go back, and you stand above her, and you put her head, and he said he squeezed the trigger, and he said it went boom, and her body jumped, and there was no more gurgling noise. I heard a lot of fucked up shit over the years. I mean, the, probably this, I, I don't know that I ever heard anything more cold-blooded than that, period. And then you go back and continue to get high. It's fucking crazy. I had goosebumps. So I asked him, I said, so you go back. And now, y'all, I got to keep them talking, but I got to try to tie up some loose ends, right? And I said, so you go back and you continue to get high. He said, yeah. I said, okay, did you do anything to uh, to her body? And he was like, what? What are you talking about? I said, well, no, just stop. So you, you tell me what happened. And I said, you go back and you get high and what happened? He said, well, at some point, I changed clothes, and I took all the guns, and I loaded them in my truck. I said, all right. I said, so when you were loading the guns in your truck, I said, did anything happen in the mudroom 
He said, what do you mean? I said, with the light. He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I busted the light. He said, I was, I was going back and forth. Yeah. He said, I was high. I was going fast back and forth to the gun cabinet, getting the guns. I was carrying one of the rifles and the barrel hit the light in the mudroom and it broke the glass on the light fixture. Boom. Good for us. Right. Uh, he's net. I, I mean, I'm locking him into more. Because sooner or later, he's going to, when he, I'm thinking, even when he gets an attorney, he's going to try to say we coerced him, whatever, whatever. He's given, he's given the juice now, right? He's verifying the small things. So I said, so you changed clothes, you, you broke the, the light, and you load, you took all the guns. He said, yeah. I said, what about the victim? I said, did you do anything to her before you left? And, and he stopped and he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, I did. He said, I pulled her panties down and uh, made it look like a rape. He said, I want y'all to think it was a rape. And I said, he said, I even took a, a condom and burned it halfway and left it in the fireplace. So y'all would think it was a rape and then you wouldn't be coming after me. You would think somebody raped her. And it was a robbery gone wrong. He said, I took the guns for that reason also. I said, all right. And I said, and you were definitely by yourself. Oh, yeah, no, I was definitely by myself. Nobody was with me. Uh-uh, nobody was with me. It was all me. I said, okay. So you got your truck loaded. You got your clothes changed. I, I said, you changed clothes before or after after you you made it look like a rape? He said, that, no, he said I changed clothes after I made it look like a rape. He said, actually, I, I, he said, I made it look like a rape right after I shot her in the head. I said, all right. And, and I said, well, then what'd you do? And he said, I got in my truck and I left. And he said, I went uh, to the ATM in Watson. And he said, and then went and got some more dope, some more cocaine. And I said, well, no, what? I said, Go back to the crime scene. I said, what about the cocaine on the table? I said, you told me you were pushing dope. He said, I always push it. It's a better high. I said, why were there lines of cocaine on the table? He said, yeah. He said, I did that too. He said, I made that look like I didn't want. Everybody knew that when I used cocaine, I pushed it. And he said, I, so I figured if I leave a few lines on the table, y'all might think that it was somebody snorting the dope there that, that, did, that raped her and all that and took all the guns. I said, so you go to the, the ATM. I said, you go get more dope. He said, yeah. He said, I shot up. I, he said, I, I went to Mississippi. He said, on the way to Mississippi, I shot up. And he said, and then I, I went to Walmart. And that's when I came out and I saw my family member. And she was like, yeah, you know, she's dead. You know, she's dead. And I was like, yeah, 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 I'm on my way. And, and, and he said, and I left. And he said, I'll hold ass. <sighs> Y'all trying to put it all together, right? I said, tell me about being on the run. I said, we have you at such and such motel, and you turned your phone on at this time. He said, yeah, I turn my phone on every couple of days to check messages. And and he said, you know, I went and I stayed in this town, in this town. I said, where's the, where's the rifle at? Where's the twenty-two rifle that you shot her? He said, he said, I threw that rifle and my bloody clothes into the Mississippi River. 
went across the Mississippi River. And I'm like, where? I said, you can cross the Mississippi River to like Vicksburg. He said, well, that's that's when I did it. You know, I, I know he was lying about that, but at least I had to lock him into it in case there was a chance that we could recover the rifle. And he said, and ultimately I ended up at the the uh, hunting area where I'm from. And I said, why'd you go there? He said, because that's that's where I used to hunt when I was a kid and I felt safe there. And he said, but you know, and he put me, started smiling. He said, you know, I could have killed that cop. He said, when he said he was by himself, he was young and he was giving me commands. He said, but I had the pistol right there on his seat. And he said, he just better be thankful that I didn't kill him and the evil was on him, right? And I'm thinking, yeah, you, you were a little bitch. And you heard the uh, sirens coming, the, you know, Everybody thinks they're this, this Johnny badass and they're going to go out or kill a cop or whatever. And ultimately, he went out like a little bitch. So he admitted that he was he was thinking about killing the cop, whatever. I think he was trying to buffer it up for us. But so now I'll take him back. I said, listen, I got some questions for you. I said, a couple questions and in to tie some things up for me. I said, there's some things in the scene that I just don't understand. And he said, yeah, yeah, what, what? Now we're kind of getting buddyish, right? We've been there a little while. And he's told us his, what, his version of what his deepest, darkest secret is. I said, look, I've been doing it a long time. And I said, I don't understand why there was a bag of ice in the sink in the bathroom, the hallway bathroom. And he smiled and and kind of sat back. He said, I do, I always bought the big bags of ice when I shoot up a lot in case I overdosed. He said, I would go in there and I put my head in the ice and I put the ice in my pants and under my arms and it would bring me out of the overdose. He said, so I could get high again. I said, well, that would explain I said, you went in there, obviously, and did that after you killed her. I said, that would explain the fat blood drops in that bathroom. And he said, yeah. And I said, you know what? Let me, let me take a break for a minute. I said, I got to get some water. I said, Calvin, you know, come with me. And the, y'all, the room he was in, he couldn't get out of. So I went out and I told Calvin, I said, I want to say shit about the blood in the master bathroom if he doesn't explain it. I said, because I don't think that's going to be his. And Calvin said, I don't either. I said, I think that chick was with him. His stepdaughter was with him. I said, he said he didn't give a description of what he beat her with. I said, I don't think that he went to the master bedroom. Looking for a new and healthier way to unwind? I was too. And then I tried recess mood. Recess Mood replaced that after-dinner alcoholic beverage for me, so I saw a difference in both my mood and my belly. It's made with real fruit, it is only 20 calories, and it contains no added sugar. Recess Mood is infused with functional ingredients like mood-lifting magnesium and stress-balancing adaptogens, so you can relax without the alcohol or the hangovers. Recess Mood tastes great, too, and comes in four different flavors. My favorite flavor is the Strawberry Rose. 
So whether you need a moment away from the errands, work, and kids, or you just need a moment of chill during dinnertime chaos, Recess Mood is where it's at whenever you need to relax and unwind. You deserve a healthier way to unwind. Head to takearecess.com slash RLRC and get 15% off Recess Mood, your go-to alcohol replacement. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. hadn't said anything about it there weren't there were tracks y'all from the blood going to the master master bedroom but they weren't big foot tr- uh, prints like his and i said we just got to keep him talking I'm gonna, I'm gonna lock him up into a few more uh questions that i have and in calvin said just let's just get, let's get it do it you know so we go back in i said okay so i says you explain the ice. I said, you were d- definitely by yourself. Absolutely by myself. I said, so did you go anywhere where else in the house? And he said, no. I said, he said, I, I went down the hallway and I beat her. And I said, when, again, when, when you beat her, I said, and what was it you beat her with? He said, oh, I don't remember. It was something glass. I said, but you, it broke. He said, yeah, yeah, it broke. I said, and you cut your hand. He said, yeah, yeah. And, and he, he held up his hand. And on his middle finger, there was a cut. And it had been over a week, y'all, I think like eight days now. So it was healed up somewhat, but it wasn't really that bad of a cut, you know. So I'm, I'm thinking in my mind that somebody else was there cut too, possibly. But I didn't say anything about it. And I said, but so, I said, you never went anywhere past her body. I said, you beat her. You break the glass. You don't know which glass, what type of glass it was. And I said, did you break, did you use more than one type of glass? He said, no, no. He said, um, just one. He said, and it broke. I said, but you don't remember what it was. He said, no, I um, I don't remember. He said, but it broke, and I, I swear I cut my finger, evidently. He said, I forgot that I cut my finger, and, and uh, I heard y'all talking about it in the car, and I knew that, that my DNA was going to be because of the cut. He said, I knew that uh, my blood was going to be those fat drops on the gun cabinet and fat drops in the bathroom with the bag of ice and the fat drops going to the door when I was loading the truck. And I said, okay, all right. I said, so you did, that's it. And you didn't go anywhere else in the house. I said, where'd you change clothes? He said, I had clothes in the mudroom. That's where I changed my clothes at, and he said I put the other ones in a garbage bag, and I threw them in the Mississippi River in Vicksburg with, along with the rifle. And 
So, I mean, pretty much that's it, y'all. He's denying anybody else's error. He admitted to the most cold-blooded fucking execution that I've ever heard of in was straight face. I mean, he wasn't remorseful. He didn't shed a tear. I mean, it was pure evil. And, and it was this point, it was evil trying to hide evil. He didn't even sniffle, you know? And, and he, I mean, shit, I just never heard anything like that in my life. But we were getting ready to wrap up. And we questioned him a lot more in detail about his, you know, different things. And there's nothing new that he gave us. But we're getting ready to wrap up. And and I stopped. I said, you know what? I said, I got one more question for you. He said, what's that? Man, we're buddy-buddy, right? And I I, I told him, I said, see, I told you you weren't a monster. You know, you you helped us out so much and, and now you can explain to the family that was the cocaine that made you do it and and I, we played him like a little bitch and, and but we're buddy buddy now and really I was getting ready we were getting ready to leave take him to the jail and it, it dawned on me the one question that I had there and it, so I asked him I said look you went to Walmart I said you Bought a bunch of items. I said, we got it. We got pictures of you in Walmart. We got your receipt. I said, for my own professional development, I said, I would like to ask you about some items on the receipt. And he started smiling. I said, first of all, the Jumbo Plus or whatever, I don't know, female lingerie sizes. I said, what about that? I said, did you have a girlfriend there somewhere? I said, he said, why would you think that? I said, because I said, you bought women's underwear like a lingerie set and he shook his head yeah and I said and you bought some you know personal hygiene items and I said you bought like some grapes and and I said the one thing I could never figure out is why you bought squash large yellow squash is what it says on the receipt and he's smiling and he said, well, I didn't have a girlfriend. I said, well, I figured maybe you had a girlfriend and you were buying her some lingerie and she was going to cook you some squash. He said, no. He said, and he's smiling, that evil smile. He said, when I was on the run, every night I would stop and buy more cocaine. He said, that's what I did with the guns. He said, I didn't have a lot of cash. And he said, well, I used the credit cards when I had to. He said, but I got me a hooker every night. I said, you mean a prostitute? He said, yeah. And he said, I get the hooker, and I get high, and I wore the blue panties and the bra. He said, I would dress up in the women's underwear. And he said, but I paid the hookers. And he said, I would be, I'd been doing so much coke that I couldn't get an erection. He said, so I put the big yellow squash in the panties and made it look like my dick. He said, but I was paying these bitches the money. He said, I was going to fuck them with something. He said, so I would fuck them with the big yellow squash. Figure that one out. 
And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, man, I get that, I get that. You know, you're paying for it. And I said, I, you know, the women's underwear, yeah, I get that, man. And, you know, we all got our kinks and stuff. You know, of course, I'm just still buddying up to him, right? But that's just what he said. And so for the everyone who wants to know about the yellow squash, there you have it. And uh, his road trip, his seven or eight, seven days gone, the only reason he went back to the hunting area, uh, Alan Parrish's home, his home base was, he was out of money. He was out of dope. And he went back to a place that was safe for him. And, but hey, he had a good time. The rest of the time, he traded guns for dope. Every night, he had him a different hooker in a different place. He paid for some hotels with cash, but he 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 did coke with, with the hookers, and he got his money's worth. So cross-dressing, squash-using, murdering piece of shit. Murdering piece of shit. So... We take him, book him into jail. By this time, it's like daylight, y'all. Uh, uh, and and I went home, and I slept for like, I don't know, an hour, an hour and a half. Uh, OCD was kicking in. And I said, yeah, I said you know what? I, I'm, I'm going back up there. I'm going to go try to talk to him one more time. I got to try to get him to uh, admit that Somebody else was there because I just I just had this feeling right. So I go back up. I, it must have been around lunchtime on Thanksgiving, and of course my family wasn't happy about it. But it is what it is. It was a job, and the victim was never going to have Thanksgiving again, and her family was never going to get to have Thanksgiving dinner with her again. So I load up, I go to jail, I have him bring, I called jail on the way up there, I said, get him out for me, please, and put him in an interview room, and they did. And I didn't have Calvin with me. I called Calvin, and he said, you know, he was doing the Thanksgiving thing. I said, I'm just going to go try to get him to say that. And he said, you know, do you need me? I said, no, I don't even think he's going to talk or whatever, right? So I went in. That he was sitting behind, he's in his jumpsuit, and he's sitting there at the desk. And I say, hey, man, I said, you know, you doing all right? And he said, yeah, 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 I'm doing good. He had a big smile on his face. We're butts now, right? I mean, I know everything from that he's a cold-blooded, the most cold-blooded killer that I've ever dealt with to the fact that he's a cross-dressing, squash-using, erectile dysfunction piece of shit. But anyway, and I said, so... Uh, you, you get Thanksgiving lunch. You say, "Yeah, man, this is good as shit." They they cook good turkey and, and cornbread dressing here and all that. So I'm thinking, well, I'm "Glad you got to fucking eat." But anyways, I said, "Look, I just I just wanted to talk to you." Yeah, I went home, got a couple hours sleep, and and I had some more questions. And and he said, "Well, I got to tell you," he said, "I got a lawyer now." And I said, "Really?" I said, "On Thanksgiving Day?" He said, "Yep, yep, yep." He said, "I had a lawyer come up here." And uh, tell me he was going to represent me for free. I said, really? I said, who is that? He said, it's Arden Wells. Arden Wells. He's a great attorney. And I started fucking dying inside, laughing to myself. You know, Arden Wells was anything but a good attorney. And he'd run for sheriff. He'd run for district attorney and all these different public. I think he ran for every public office in the history of 
known the man, he always lost. He was to say he was out there as 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 putting it politely. Anytime I've ever dealt with him, and he had a criminal defense client, uh, I beat his ass in court. Uh, like he just, I think he's disbarred now. That uh, was the last I heard. Uh, he was a little bit off, if, if if that's to put it politely. So, but takes all kinds to make the world go around. So he tells me, he said, he said, yeah, 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 man. He saw it on the news last night, and and he called the jail this morning, and they told him that. I was booked in, and he said, "He said, well, that's that's my client. I'm coming to talk to him." And he said, "Well, hell, they came and got me out of cell and told me my attorney was there." I was thinking, "How the hell public defenders got here that fast?" And and he said, "But hey, he said I really like that guy. He's sharp. That Arden Wells is sharp." And I said, "Yeah." I said, well, "Okay." I said, "That's cool." I said, well, "I said, what did he tell you?" He said, "He told me don't worry about anything." He said he's gonna get me off on manslaughter. He said I'm, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get a couple of years. That's it. And I said, well, you know what? That that's good, man. I said I'm happy for you, and um, you know, good luck with that. Let me know how it works out for you. <laughs> and then I turned and left. Yeah, I left it on good terms, knowing that I was gonna get challenged in court because it, it is a death penalty case, and it ain't no fucking manslaughter. And but. I didn't have to come hard on him. It was going to be raining hell on him soon enough. But I, I didn't get to ask him, was anybody else with him, because he lawyered up. So I respected that. Y'all, if you think this is the conclusion of Monsters, you haven't heard anything yet. I'm telling you, it's about to get really, really twisted. And I've got to tell you about the investigation, where it goes from here. And remember this, and i say it again, and I'm going to do an episode after this series just about evidence, okay, and how important it is. Evidence is everything. In this case, is just getting started. Just getting started. And I'm going to conclude episode five of Monsters. Okay, a couple of quick announcements. One, very important. Let's see, I could put this without saying the wrong thing. Courtney Coco, uh, it's, it's not coming in December, y'all. The rest are not coming in December. There's several reasons why. And the, the ones that I can tell you uh, that are pretty much public knowledge are that because of COVID is one. I know that's they arrest people every day and all that shit, et cetera, whatever. But they actually did an article on they've had no trials, nothing since COVID started in Rapids Parish. And y'all, you you got you got to consider that Courtney's case has to go to the grand jury. And there's I know it's not going to the grand jury this month, but I also know that it's going in January is is going to be our time. So let's flip our prayers and thoughts that that it's concluded sooner than later. But I'm just telling you now, it's not going to happen before Christmas or before New Year's Eve, okay? But I'm telling you, it is going to happen. So thoughts go out to the family, Miss Stephanie and Ma and, and the sisters and all them. And, and, 
going to deal with another Christmas and the killers are out there, but it won't be for much longer. So justice for Courtney Coco, Miss Barbara Blunt, y'all keep calling in your tips. You know about the Cold Case podcast we're releasing. Toby Tomplay and I are releasing as soon as the arrests are made in Courtney Coco's case. In the first season, uh, most of it is already recorded, and it's on Miss Barbara Blunt, and, and it's episodes I'm talking about. So this is not going to be something, although we're still going to be working it, working it real time and, and taking the tips that, that you heard the production on the first episode. And so the story's going to get told. It's going to be like the big podcast and it's produced. It's not just me sitting there telling you a story like I am now. It's, it's going to have the interviews and all the different stuff in it. And it's really just phenomenal. So, but please continue to call on your tips. I know the sheriff's office. I spoke with them very rec- last week. And they are, they are absolutely 1,000% on board. The case is being worked, but it is, is COVID, man. COVID has got everything so jacked up. But I expect that, well, I know God does everything in his own time. And to Miss Barbara's family, Miss Sarah, and, and, and the kids and, and all that, Thoughts are with you, especially during the holiday season. Just hang in there. We're gonna we're gonna get justice from Miss Barbara also. But y'all continue to call in your tips. The case is being worked, even though I don't talk about it as much as I do Courtney. But I promise you, as soon as Courtney's case is, is concluded or the arrests are made, we're swapping full force to Miss Barbara Blunt. Okay, what happened to Barbara Blunt? Social media, uh, y'all, we're over 28,000-something on the uh, Real Life Real Crime friends, fans, and crew page. Y'all, if you like Real Life Real Crime, go ask to join our Dream Team moderators. We'll get you approved. Instagram, at Real Life Real Crime, and at Overton Woody. YouTube, Real Life Real Crime podcast. Put that in your search. It'll bring up all the episodes. We're still adding videos and stuff to the to the older episodes. It's more like a movie, what have you. Patreon members, you know, appreciate your support. You just got another episode earlier this week that, that was titled Miracle. And thank you for that. Y'all, if you can't be a Patreon member, I get it. I love each and every one of your lifers. I try to respond to every single person on all the different social media platforms. And we have so many, so many pages on Facebook and, and whatever. Y'all know the ones that follow you know. But please continue to share Miss Barbara Blunt's story, uh, even Courtney Coco's. And Patreon members, thank you again. They, hey, if you can't be a Patreon member, I'm going to ask, and I haven't done this. First of all, I found out I'm supposed to ask y'all to subscribe to Real Life Real Crime, the podcast, meaning that when you subscribe to it, it's free. But when you subscribe to it, anytime we drop an episode, you'll get an alert that the episode has been released. So that way you don't have to keep um, asking. You're not bothering us, but you don't have to keep asking when's the next one coming out or has it come out. You'll get an alert. So subscribe Wherever you listen to your podcast, subscribe to Real Life Real Crime. Hit the button, and then you automatically get the alerts. I am going to ask that you go to 
iTunes under Real Life Real Crime and leave us a review. It does something with algorithms for, for Apple that has something to do with the rankings. So if y'all would, please go leave me a review on on iTunes. And I love and appreciate each and every one of y'all. In part six, I know it's going to be at least a part six and seven on Monsters. Stay tuned. You think you heard it or you think you've, some of y'all have looked it up. You don't know anything about what's coming. Finally, Lopa, Louisiana Organ Procurement Agency, give the gift of life. Go to their website, lopa.org, sign up to be an organ donor, and tell them that you heard about it. Click on uh, Livingston Parish Literacy and Technology Center, criminal justice students, and if you're so inclined, they have a spot that you heard about it from real life, real crime. Save a life, people. COVID, so many people's lungs are being destroyed. All these people are getting lung transplants, and they would die without it. And then lungs are just one of it, right? But save a life. Give the gift of sight. Be a hero. Sign up, please, for Lopa. And that's it. Love and appreciate each and every one of you. And... I'm Woody Overton, your host of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. And until next time or ever, don't let me catch you down on Murder Bayou. Peace. Real Crime is a true crime podcast brought to you by Woody Overton and executive producer Toby Templey. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Transform your home in one weekend with paint from Menards. Get a paint that combines durability and gorgeous color. Dutch Boys DuraClean Interior Paint and Primer in One offers Stay Clean technology, making your home stay beautiful and clean longer. And with Dutch Boys Easy Opening Smooth Pouring Container, transforming your home has never been easier. Save big money on Dutch Boy paints and head into Menards to get your paint project started today. Save big